Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, September 4th, 2022, offered for St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Roanoke, Alabama. The principal text of the sermon is Philemon, verses 1 through 21. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, you may not quite realize it, but this morning we did a rather unepiscopalian thing in that we read nearly an entire book of the Bible in one sitting. Had we pressed on for five more verses, we would have read the entirety of Paul's letter to Philemon this morning. This letter that we have is only 26 verses long. In the original Greek, it's just 335 words. Some might call it more of a note than a letter, maybe. But it is one of the seven undisputed letters written by the Apostle Paul. And is also the shortest. But it has all the markers that we expect from Paul, sort of the formal greeting and thanksgiving, and then a request or teaching passage, and then a closing. Now, it may be because we read this whole big long letter that you might not have tracked exactly what was going on here, right? Because there's not a great crescendo necessarily when we just hear it read. But... Paul in this letter is not offering some grand theological teaching like we're used to hearing in in Corinthians or we heard earlier in the summer with Galatians. Instead, Paul is writing to ask a favor. So we have three main players that are in this letter. We have Philemon, who is a leader of a house church, someone of wealth, in status, someone that because he encountered Paul in his teachings was converted to Christ, and someone who is a slave owner. Then we have Paul, the great apostle, right? The man who encountered the risen Christ on the road and was converted from being the most, zeal- the most zealot persecutor of the Christian church to the most zealot advocate for the Christian church. And he is now being held in in prison, like he's on house arrest by Roman authorities. And then we have Onesimus, who has now become a servant and friend to Paul. And by his encounter with Paul, presumably Paul's teaching and preaching and witness, Onesimus himself has converted to Christianity, and he is a slave of Philemon. So those are our three players that appear sort of loosely in this letter, but we don't have the backstory. Paul doesn't give us a lot of explanation. Like, we don't know how Paul came to meet Onesimus, right? We do know that Onesimus has left Philemon, not with permission, possibly taking things that did not belong to him. And so that Philemon is at risk of being punished for being a runaway slave. While Onesimus has been with Paul, he's taken care of him while he's in jail, while he's in his old age, and it seems that he has been persuaded to convert to Christianity. And it's this conversion of Onesimus that causes the conflict that gives rise to this letter to Philemon. 
something that has to be resolved. And the real question of the letter is, how does Onesimus' conversion to Christianity and presumed baptism change his identity and relationship with Philemon? To Paul, he writes in his letter that Onesimus is a child, is his own heart, someone that he cares for deeply, and that he hopes that Philemon will receive him as a beloved brother because he is now a convert to Christ. Paul recognizes that Onesimus' conversion has not undone his worldly status, has not wiped away his worldly debts, and Onesimus may be in real trouble when he goes back home to Philemon. And so Paul intercedes on his behalf. Now he doesn't intercede in sort of a heavy-handed, I am the Apostle Paul, you must listen to me. He does not command Philemon what to do or how to resolve this situation, but instead writes that he appeals on the basis of love and offers to assume Onesimus's debts himself. Now, there is no resolution for us with these three characters in this conflict, right? The letter, we don't get a follow-up letter explaining what happens once Onesimus gets home to Philemon. We don't know the outcome of this. It is lost to history. We are left to perhaps imagine Onesimus arriving to Philemon, handing him the letter and standing there waiting for his judgment as Philemon reads the letter from Paul. But we don't know what comes after that. Does Philemon welcome Onesimus as his brother, forgiving his debts? Does Philemon angrily do the paperwork to grant him his freedom while sending a bill to Paul back in jail? Or does Philemon punish Onesimus and keep him as a slave, making Paul angry and bringing judgment down on Philemon and his church? Each option certainly has a cost. And doing what we would probably consider the right thing to do perhaps has the highest cost of all. The letter to Philemon is such a curious little artifact that we have left of our faith because it is so short and so unresolved and so without major theological teaching, but yet it mattered enough to the community that received it that they kept it safe, right? They held on to it in a way that it was able to find its way into our scriptures to be discovered and understood as one of Paul's undisputed letters. And so that would seem to say that there's something that we are called to learn from this letter. Now what's interesting is the letter to Philemon has sort of a contentious history in the life of the Christian faith. It has been used to both justify the enslavement of people and to demand the liberation of enslaved people. It can be read either way. It has been used to condemn Paul as someone who missed the boat and should have taken the opportunity to demand the end of enslavement of baptized Christians, right? We like to judge Paul. He's pretty easy punching bag for us in the contemporary world. But Paul just does not address that issue at all. So what do we learn from a letter about three men Two very powerful men, one very wealthy, and one man enslaved to the other in the 21st century. I think first we learn 
that being faithful is risky and costly. For Philemon, freeing Onesimus will certainly cost him something, right? It may cost him money. It may cost him position in his community. It may cost him his pride, but it's going to cost him something. And potentially for Paul writing this letter, it's going to cost him something if Onesimus is freed because Paul may be left paying the bill. To get the letter delivered to Philemon, Onesimus had to risk going home. This is a letter that he is sent with back to Philemon. And so he has to risk going home and possibly losing the freedom that he had managed to steal from his enslaver. Being faithful is risky and costly. But being faithful is also about relationships that are based in love and not in being right. Paul doesn't command, he appeals in the basis of love. This is stark contrast if you think about how so many of our interactions go in the current age, right? We live in a world that is filled with dichotomies of right and wrong, in and out, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, right? We paint every issue with broad, bright lines, and oftentimes it's our relationships that take the toll for it. Paul's appeal to Philemon centers on his connection to him and their relationship while acknowledging that Philemon has rights that have been transgressed here. He has rights in this situation to do certain things. But Paul is willing to give up his power and rights as an apostle of Christ, his authority over Philemon and his church, to instead of ordering him to do something, to appeal to him in love based on relationship so that Onesimus and Philemon and Paul's relationship can be strengthened. Perhaps what we learn most from this very short, very curious letter that has found its way into our scriptures is that oftentimes you need more than 140 characters or a text message or a thumbs up emoji or an angry face emoji when you are dealing with complex issues. Complex issues often don't have resolution. We're often left wondering what is the outcome, but what they do require is mutual respect and care. They should be addressed based in love, seeking relationship, and not about being right. While we don't know what happened to Onesimus or Philemon, we do ultimately know what happens to Paul, that he does die in the service of Christ. We do know that this one snapshot of this complicated and messy relationship gives us insight into how we can better deal with each other based on God's love. Amen.